Well, this really is a blessed Sunday. We, we get to hear the testimonies of, of eight members of our church family and witness their baptisms in the second service. Now, I hope you appreciate just how challenging it is for them to be willing to come up here and, and share a part of their lives. It really is daunting. I remember one year we wanted someone to share their testimony at our Christmas Eve service, but we, it was going to be difficult, and we were really sure that she would say no. And so in wisdom, or whatever you want to call it, I had my youngest son, who was only five or six at the time, write her a letter and ask if she would share her testimony. And it said, Auntie, will you share your testimony at the Christmas Eve service? Love, CJ. And then he had two boxes, and one said, yes, I love CJ. And, and one said, no, I don't like kids. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, she shared her testimony. But as hard as it is, the testimonies are a blessing and they, they really put the beauty of Christ on display. They show us the glory of the gospel. Now, along with the testimonies, in second service, we have the, we have the baptisms. Now, because there are eight baptisms this morning, we, we don't have a lot of time. So let me just briefly share with you what a baptism is. Romans 6.4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So understand that baptism doesn't save us, but it's a symbol that represents the gospel, the reality that God forgives and saves sinners and gives us new life. And when you hear the testimonies, you're going to hear stories of some very dark sins. Now, I'm not sure what comes to mind when you hear that, very dark sins. Maybe you think about drug use or crime or abandonment and abuse or some perverse lifestyle. But actually, none of those are the dark sins I'm talking about. You're going to hear things like feeling the need to make others happy and pursuing academic success and working hard to achieve and seeking musical accolades and pursuing athletic accomplishment and searching for fulfilling romantic relationships. Now, maybe for some of you, that doesn't sound really bad at all. In fact, it sounds really good. It doesn't sound very wrong. It sounds very right. Maybe if these were your kids, you would be pretty happy. Or maybe this describes your life right now. But in this, we start to see why these sins are so dark, because they're about turning from Jesus, the, the one true God, and making a God of the world. Maybe think of it this way. Sin is, is you know, it's the obvious things that we do that are wrong. It's, it's lie, lust, be discontent or, discontent or jealous. It's to say hurtful words, to lack compassion and mercy, to be angry or bitter. But at the root of all of sin is simply this, that I will live for something other than Christ. I mean, that's at the heart of every sin. It's pursuing something over God. As Romans one twenty five says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. In other words, they, they, they've turned from this glorious and loving creator and they've said, you know, I'd just rather have his creation. I hope you'll slow down and really consider that. The, the, this God who made everything and is Lord over all the universe and yet who loves us and who wants the best for us and who offers us peace and joy, our sin is a rejection of him. Every time we lie or lust, every time we pursue the world, every time we refuse to love someone, every time we're discontent or dissatisfied, we're turning our back on the lover of our souls. So consider again the testimonies and think about what they're actually saying when they talk about living for the world. 
They're saying, I made a God out of this world because Christ was not a good enough God for me. He left me wanting, he was insufficient, he he was lacking, and so I pursued athletic or academic or relational success because I believed they offered more hope than Christ, that they would be more, make me happier than Christ, that they would be more fulfilling than Christ. And in this, we start to see just how vile sin is because they're not, it's not just this, these isolated acts of wrongdoing. They, there are these declarations about God and our belief that he's undesirable and unworthy. But the darkness of sin isn't just about the ugliness of it all, but it's the danger of it all. Because, because our sin does at least two things. First, our sin condemns us. Our sin, our, our bold and rebellious declarations of God's unworthiness, they deserve the punishment of the God who we rebelled against. As Romans 1.18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. But our sin is also dangerous because it deceives us. Right? Sin so often presents itself as a means of happiness and hope, of purpose and meaning, of security and some version of salvation, all the while leading us away from the only one who can truly offer us those things. Right in the testimonies you'll hear, no one pursued the world because they thought it would hurt them. They weren't seeking to be unhappy. But that's what false saviors do. They don't rescue us, they ruin us. And so hopefully you see the the danger in this. It's like drinking poison to quench your thirst. This then in part is why we celebrate baptisms because it, it represents God's unrelenting love through his answer to the darkness of that sin. Baptism is, is this picture that as we go under the water, it's, it's demonstrating that we died with Christ. And when we surface, it's like we were resurrected with Christ. As Colossians 2.12 says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Remember what the gospel tells us, the gospel that that each of those baptized are declaring to us today, that though we are sinners and deserve the just wrath of God, Jesus came to take that that wrath on our behalf. I mean, that's what he's doing on the cross. He was suffering the punishment that our lives demanded so that we could receive the forgiveness we don't deserve. That's why baptism pictures that that we died with Christ, that, that his death was our death. And then we're given his righteousness. In other words, Jesus was credited with our sin and treated like a sinner, and we were credited with Jesus' perfect life so that we could be treated like a son. If you're not a believer, maybe you're, you're investigating the claims of Christ, or maybe you're just here to support someone, a family member or a friend. Remember how much you need Christ. Because as good and as successful as you may think you are, in reality, that's just a picture of your rebellion against God and your pursuit of something over God. Your life is a declaration that you think you don't need God and you don't want God. But in kindness and love, he offers forgiveness and salvation through faith in Jesus. You deserve hell uh, and he's offering you heaven. And so let me encourage you to embrace him through faith. And if you have questions, talk to the person who brought you or talk to one of the leaders here. We would love to share with you more about Christ. Now that's enough for us to celebrate sin to forgiveness or our death to life, heaven, or hell to heaven. But one more thing I wanted to point out. This is my encouragement and, and challenge specifically to those of you who are getting baptized. And that's to remember that the gospel isn't just about overcoming death, uh, but it's about 
as Romans 6, 4, which I read earlier, it's about having and living a new life. Right? Baptism doesn't just picture dying with Christ when we go under the water, but when we surface, it's like we are resurrected with Christ to a new life. And how do we live this new life? By faith in Christ and his gospel. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith in Christ who loves us and gave himself for us. I think most of us know what it's like to live for worldly success or to live for the opinions of others, to worry about what others think. I mean, I went to the eye doctor this week and I was by myself, so instead of buying glasses, I took a picture of myself wearing a pair of glasses that I liked and I sent it to my wife and to my daughter to get their opinion. Relatively cheap, very comfortable, those always look the best. And my daughter sent a picture back of Mr. Fredrickson from the movie Up. And I'm pretty sure it was an encouragement. Now, I've long given up on being cool, but even I'm not trying to look like the grumpy old man from a cartoon. And and yet, that's, most of us know what this is like, like to think, want people to think well of us, to, to live for the approval of others. But the gospel frees us because we are approved of by God in Christ. I hope that makes sense. Maybe think of it this way. Before you were saved, you were looking to the world for some version of salvation, believing if you could just succeed academically or athletically, or if you could just find that right romantic relationship, or if you could just please people and earn their approval or admiration or affection, then you would be happy, and then you'd be content, and then life would be right, and then you experience peace. In fact, the Galatians 2 passage is in the context of the Apostle Paul wanting people's approval. But Paul tells them, because we're saved, the life we now live, we live by faith and in, in, in that Jesus loves us and saves us. That's all that really matters. We don't need what the world offers because we have Christ and his love. And so do you see how freeing that is? You don't have to justify yourself to the world. You don't have to earn its approval. You don't have to succeed on its terms because God approves of you in Christ. The encouragement and challenge mean this. Live every moment out of the reality of the gospel that God loves you and saves you. That will free you to live with greater purpose and greater joy. And so don't see school as your hope. Rather, place your hope in God and see school as a stewardship to help you use your gifts for him. Don't see relationships as a means of approval. Rather, enjoy the approval of God in Christ and see relationships as just this opportunity to, to love and to serve. Don't see athletics or music, or music or any aspect of life as having an identity built on what you accomplish. Rather, live out your identity rooted in what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross and see those other things as gifts from him to be used for his glory. If you do that, your whole life will be different. Let me close with this. This morning, we celebrate with those who are getting baptized, but even more, we celebrate Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And so as you listen to the testimonies and then watch the baptisms in the second service, I hope you'll be moved to worship and that it will encourage you to live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for the opportunity that we have to celebrate again this morning with those who are getting baptized to to be able to witness the declarations of faith that they're making, to really put the gospel on display. And yet again, Lord, as much as we celebrate with them, we do celebrate you. You are the one who saves.
You're the one that we rejected, the one that we turned against, the one that we felt was unworthy of our love and our, our faith, and yet you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Right now we get to hear uh, our first four testimonies from uh, Abigail Viado, Allison Murhan, uh, Azzy Antonio, and Isaiah Len. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I was baptized as a baby, attended church every Sunday, and went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. I was known by my peers as a quiet model student who was also good at volleyball. I didn't have, en- I didn't have enemies, and I had a solid group of friends. After Catholic school, I started attending a public high school. I won't lie, I was pretty relieved that religion class was no longer a requirement. My weekly prayer time shrinked to only Sundays, but even then I slacked off, not saying much to God other than sorry for making my sisters and parents mad and thank you for a roof over my head. As I became more and more removed from my faith, I started to hate Sunday mornings. Around this time too, my parents fought more frequently. My mom began hiding secrets and eventually ceased from returning home after her late night work shifts. I saw God's image through my dad, who time and time again forgave my mom, but even after we welcomed her back with open arms, whenever she returned home, she would leave again. And then this happened again. The four of us forgave her every time, yet the never-ending cycle of hope followed by despair continued for over two years. At some point, I was too numb to feel anything. I never lost hope that my family could be whole again, but my hope was wearing thin. To avoid the hurt I was feeling, I busied myself with academics and volleyball and dated the first boy I talked to outside of class. It was sustainable for a while until I brought the burden to fill the motherly role upon myself. I learned to cook, clean the bathrooms, did my sister's laundry, and then blamed my sisters for never taking the initiative to do it themselves. I habitually fought with my boyfriend over the phone, blocking him so I wouldn't feel attached or give him the chance to hurt me. I wanted complete control over my life. I searched for little reasons to be angry while everyone outside my family and my boyfriend believed I was an angel. Hatred consumed my heart. Then I moved to UCLA. After two quarters on campus, my boyfriend and I broke up. I began to feel really alone for the first time in my life. I spent many days, practically the whole quarter, um, in my dorm crying, looking for any way to stop the endless sea of tears. I questioned how strong I really was if I couldn't control my emotions. In these moments of weakness, the Holy Spirit worked in me and told me I should try to go to church again. But I didn't know where to go or how to get there. I decided to check out Asian Asian American Christian Fellowship, or ACF at UCLA uh, by myself. Little did I know that this was the greatest decision I'd ever make in college. The sight of a crowd of people loving the Lord so much let alone my age, took me aback. I didn't think it was possible. My friends and I back then never talked about God before. It was so strange, it made me so curious. So I decided to keep going to AACF. It wasn't easy though. In fact, I was scared and intimidated when people asked me about my Catholic background. I told them, yes, I do believe in God, but I didn't really know who God was. I knew Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, but I never understood the weight of my sins, nor did I ever fear the Lord. Through ACF, I started going to Lighthouse and Beacon, Lighthouse's college ministry. 
The teachings at Lighthouse helped reveal to me how much I was enslaved by sin, seeking worldly pleasures, idolizing grades, and wanting complete control over my future. So I made the decision to surrender myself to God and trust in His promises. Because I am a sinner, I deserve death as punishment. But God, who is gracious and kind, sent down His only Son in my place to receive punishment for my sins. Jesus died on the cross and rose again, symbolizing eternal life after death with God in heaven. Once I accepted this truth oh wait, I lost my, oh, and welcomed Christ into my life, my life completely transformed. Now I'm slow to anger and can forgive others easily because of the forgiveness that was first shown to me. Although my future is still uncertain, I can live freely knowing that God is sovereign and knows what I need most, even when I don't know what that is. I can happily say that I have restored my relationship with my dad, sisters, and mom, who are going to be here for a second service. <laughs> my past self filled with hate and brokenness has been put to death, and I have been reborn through Christ. I now identify as a Christian, a follower of Christ. Praise the Lord. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian household with my parents taking me to church every Sunday. Because of this, I accepted Christ into my heart at a young age, but I did not think much of it. During my middle school and early high school years, I attended a church camp in the summers and started to take my first steps in making my faith my own. However, I would easily fall back into living with no attention towards God and my faith. Things became more difficult when my family moved churches and I struggled to see the importance of going every week. I began to dread Sundays and would make any excuse to not have to go. I thought I didn't need church to call myself a Christian that I could face things on my own, and I neglected my walk with the Lord. In high school, I idolized academics and athletics. I was very prideful in everything I did and relied on my own plans instead of God's timing. I thought everything I did was a result of my own hard work and not a gift from God. My identity was rooted in everything but Christ. At school, I would hide anything I was struggling with, even when I would constantly be frustrated and angry at home. When COVID hit, I saw it as the perfect excuse to stop going to church completely. My heart continued to harden, and I found it difficult to show compassion and love towards my family, being at home with them all the time. It was during my senior year that things changed drastically for my family, as we found out my dad was diagnosed with cancer. I was scared and angry with God, and because I found it easier to ignore the situation rather than accept it, I acted harshly towards those closest to me while pretending in front of others that I still had everything together and in order. The stress of college apps also presented many challenges, and I relied on my own abilities to navigate this time of uncertainty. I selfishly thought that if God was truly good, he would give me everything that fit my idea of good. When things did not go according to my own plans, I was quick to question what he had in store for me. However, through this time, God used both the blessings and the trials to guide me back to Him. When I got into a top school that seemed to validate everything I had done academically, I was surprised at how discontent I felt still. I thought that going to that specific school was the direct result of everything I had worked so hard for and deserved. But God showed me how empty and unfulfilling the things of this world are without Him in the picture. This decision weighed heavy on my heart as I wanted everything to work out in the ways I had imagined but God guided me in a different direction. He slowly took away that opportunity, leading me to choose UCLA, a school where I could most importantly grow spiritually. Looking back now, I see how much God's grace has touched my life. 
This past year alone, God has grown my desire to go to church and pursue time in his word. He has blessed me with a great community of believers who have shown me what it truly means to care intentionally for others. He has softened my heart and shown me how comforting it is to have a God who sees and truly understands even my deepest struggles. I have seen that the things of this world are not certain, but God is constant and unchanging. His love for me does not waver no matter how many times I fall short. When I continue to lean on my own understanding, he has shown me how much greater his plans are. This has been a difficult season of life, one of great change, and it has been hard for me at times to see the good in it all. But I'm constantly reminded that God is sovereign and he is making everything beautiful in his time. All I have to do is trust in him. Good morning. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. My name is Azzy Antonio. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm a third year studying art at Cal State Long Beach. It is such an honor and privilege for me to be here in front of you all to share the amazing story of how Jesus transformed my life. I grew up in the church and actively served by going on mission trips, singing with the choir, and attending youth group every week. I did all these things wanting to be the perfect Christian and yet lived a different lifestyle outside of the church setting. I believed in a creator but didn't truly know who God was and didn't want to know. I felt like having more knowledge of God would remove me from the things I wanted to do and have in my life. I was seeking my own kingdom here on earth instead of God's kingdom. I idolized worldly happiness and lived to please people and their expectations at the expense of my faith. I tried to hide my Christianity from my friends and fellow classmates out of fear of rejection. I prioritized their approval. In sophomore year of college, I realized just how big my fear of man was. I struggled with communicating with my roommates at the time. I would rarely confront them about problems that would arise because I was scared that they would see me as a bad guy for starting conflict that they viewed as unnecessary. And as a result, I slowly start to resent them and eventually cut them off for a period of time. A lot of my sin was rooted in my ego and pride. I was living as if I was responsible for my own joy and salvation, but something was missing. I was constantly trying to find my place in the world, but God was tugging at my heart and leading me to something far greater. When I moved to Long Beach, I joined a Christian fellowship on campus called AACF. You probably heard about it before. <laughs> there, I discovered people my age who desired to pursue God and constantly attempted to live out their faith throughout their daily lives. It made me realize just how shallow my relationship with God was. Seeing these people who truly surrendered to God's sovereignty over their lives was encouraging and pushed me to pursue Christ seriously. Last year, when I attended a college retreat for Gardena Valley Baptist Church, I heard the verse, Psalm 119.103, which really resonated with my heart. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Reading the Bible with this idea in mind, knowing that God is sweeter and more pleasurable and more satiating to my soul, truly changed the way I read the word. And as God was slowly revealing himself to me, the gospel that I've been hearing about my whole life and something more. My understanding of God's plan to save us now carried much more weight in my life, that my sin was paid for by Jesus' blood, that his sacrifice showed God's deep, unconditional love for us, revealing how merciful, loving, and amazing he is. Understanding Jesus' resurrection is something I unconsciously undermine, and yet it is just as important as his sacrifice. Knowing that Jesus overcame death is so powerful he is the living hope that frees me from my fear of rejection, death, and the guilt that came with my sin. Interacting with my friends 
and knowing that their approval is not where I find my ultimate joy, but in Christ frees me. I can live life free, I can live life free of guilt and shame because Jesus took it all on the cross. My life has been completely transformed, but nothing has been perfect. I still worry and stress, realizing the things I have yet to surrender to him. I still miss the mark of God's expectation for me and I'm in the lifelong process of sanctification. But God has given me purpose in life, that is to glorify him, live my life for him, and grow in my relationship with him and others. Knowing this purpose brings me peace and freedom from the things that once enslaved me. I'm getting baptized today as a public declaration of my hope and newfound life in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Uh, good morning. <laughs> um, this is my testimony. I grew up in the church and went through children's ministry, but looking back on it now, I always felt like I was going through the motions, saying all the right things just to get to the free time at the end. I knew what a textbook Christian looked like from a young age and decided that it was enough for me to identify as a Christian. I became complacent in my faith and often had no issue with skipping church or youth groups simply because I didn't feel like attending or when I had conflicting soccer events. My daily life didn't reflect the faith I professed. This became very apparent when I decided that I wanted to take soccer more seriously. The team I was trying to get onto had a coach that also coached a college team which would have opened so many opportunities for me as a rising senior who was starting to look at colleges. The first tryout went about as well as I could have expected and there was a follow-up tryout the following week. I felt good about it and I thought I had a decent chance of making the team. However, God had a completely different plan for me. The day before the tryout, I got really sick to the point where I couldn't even really get out of bed. I was unsurprised and angry to find out that I had not made the top team I was gunning for. The following weeks were filled with anger towards myself and God, constantly complaining both outwardly to my parents and in private through prayer, saying that God didn't want me to succeed and that if he truly loved me, he would have allowed me to get onto the team. God did not reward my lashing out with what I wanted, but instead opened my eyes to my wrongdoings through a parable which I heard about a thousand times already, but never thought I could relate to it. It was the parable about the sower and the seeds where the seeds are cast onto different types of ground. I remember taking notes half asleep and then snapping it to focus when I heard the mention of the seed that was choked out by thorns. God helped me see that this completely reflected my life as a proclaiming Christian who had gotten so tied up in the cares of the world that I could no longer see God's grace in it. He helped me see that my life didn't reflect who I claimed to be and that in my complacency, I had slowly fallen away from God and had started putting my faith in myself and my own abilities. Through God's grace alone, I was able to finally see this and was able to recenter myself on Him. <laughs> when the center of my life was on myself and what I could accomplish, I constantly found myself disappointed and angry, only turning to God when I felt I was in need of Him. God showed me that relying on myself was still a sin, even though it may not have seemed so bad when I was doing it. I still don't follow God's commands perfectly, but instead of trusting in my own abilities, I can rest knowing that God has a perfect and loving plan for me, although it may not be what I envision for myself. Right now, I'm in the middle of my college essays and applications, trying, out, trying to figure out where I'll be going come June. When I stand before God and recount my life, what will matter most isn't where I went to college or what earthly achievements I accomplished, but whether or not I've trusted in Christ in every facet of my life, which I'm growing more, more in every day. Thank you. At this point, we'll hear four more testimonies from Alison Huang, Kristen Sung, Jason Irie, and Jaren Silva. Hello, um, I'm Alison Huang, and this is my salvation testimony. Um, I grew up in the church, uh, enjoying Sunday school sermons and the message behind them. 
Um, but as I grew older, I grew discontented by what I perceived to be a cliquish and unfriendly youth group. Um, my mom was diagnosed with schizophrenia when I was young, and her condition has declined over the years, starting with poor eating habits, irrational thoughts, and odd behavior patterns. I sought to drown out the stress from her illness by forming friendships at school, um, pushing myself academically, and retreating to my room. At home, I struggled to process comments she would make to me about being a stranger to her and other things that were frustratingly untrue, when in my head, all I did was try to help her. I lashed out at her in fits of hate and impatience. Outside of the home, I tried to be a completely different person. I showered people with compliments and tried to do whatever I could to be liked by others, when in reality, all that was in my heart was bitterness and emptiness. When my dad was diagnosed with cancer, all my worst fears in life became a reality. My dad was the only steady rock that I knew. Through my mom's illness, he had walked alongside me by taking care of her ailing health, sitting in appointments, and managing the home. He helped me navigate fear and confusion caused by the responsibility placed on me. It felt like I was losing the most important person in my life, who I would give anything to not lose. I desperately prayed to God, even though I felt so distant from him. By God's grace, my prayers were answered as my dad successfully completed treatment. He narrowly dodged complications that would have severely affected his quality of life. Moving into college, I knew that I wanted to pursue and develop my faith after pushing it off for so long. He allowed to find me a community through ACF at UCLA um, and Lighthouse that encourages me and exhorts me. I started to relearn the good news of the gospel and began to more fully comprehend Christ's sacrifice for me. I realized that I so deeply relied on myself and my own abilities and placed my worth in the things and the people of this earth, causing me so much anxiety, anger, and hate in my heart. I am a sinner in desperately need of a savior, incapable of any righteousness or true goodness. I realized that Christ's payment for my sins is an incomprehensible, great, incomprehensibly great gift, and I trusted him as my Lord and savior. Although I will always fall short, his grace gives me strength to conquer my sin. His love and sacrifice inspires me to love the people more selflessly and sacrificially like Christ. Even though I'm not perfect, I strive to not place my hope in the instability of this world, personal success, or what other people think of me. I can put my hope in his unfailing promises and take refuge in him through prayer and scripture. I was dead in my trespasses and sins and have only experienced true life through him. I said in Psalms 105, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Um, and it's again, in reflected in Romans 6, 20 through 23, um, he's the only way. Um, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Kristen, and this is my testimony. I grew up in a Christian family my whole life and went through the motions of church on Sunday, Sunday school, praying in times of need, and thanking God for every blessing. I did my best to be the obedient child and make the right decisions so I wouldn't disappoint anyone, especially my parents. I had a superficial understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, and I didn't truly understand the weight of my sins and Christ's sacrifice for me until later on in my life. Although I had a church that I went to, 
I felt separated and like I didn't belong to my church family. But part of the reason for this was I didn't prioritize church attendance myself. I was so fully immersed in getting the best grades for college applications, excelling in my extracurriculars, and seeking approval from others. I thought I would pursue piano in college by majoring in music to meet my parents' expectations. Sunday mornings were filled with performances, competitions, extra lessons, often at the expense of church. I thought that achieving these things would make me happy, provide me with stability, make my parents proud, and ultimately help me find my purpose and identity. I prioritized everything else, chasing worldly success while throwing my faith on the back burner. In middle school, my small group leader asked all the girls my age if we wanted to get baptized. She said, if we truly believed that Jesus died for our sins, we had no reason not to. She continued to ask me week after week, and I told her I wasn't ready. In the end, it just so happened that on that day, everyone committed to getting baptized. I once again skipped church and escaped having to face my small group leader again. I thought my life was too fortunate, privileged, and that if I did not endure any major challenge, it meant that I did not have a testimony to share. I later on realized how selfish this was, implying that God had not been working in my life all these years, even though he continued to remain faithful to me while I chased the world. However, Romans 5, 6 through 8 reminded me that while we were still sinners and while we were still weak, Christ died for us. In high school, I joined a Christian club where college students from Biola led us in a small group every week. It was one of the first times where I learned theology behind my beliefs and started to read God's word intentionally. I began to reprioritize things in my life, especially with church. I realized how much of an afterthought my faith was. I used to think that since I habitually made the better and more respectable decision, my sins couldn't have been that bad. But during this time, I finally saw that it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross and how big of a sacrifice Christ's death was. Towards the end of my junior year in high school, I started dating someone who was a Christian and honestly at that time, much more mature than me in his faith. It was inspiring to see his faithfulness as I appreciated how he encouraged me in my faith and I developed a personal relationship with God for the first time. However, as time passed, I soon began to idolize this relationship. More and more problems arose, but I never let myself be vulnerable or reach out to others. Because of my pride, my closest friends, parents, and even discipler had no idea what I was going through as I desperately tried to hide every broken aspect of this relationship. I wanted to prove that by my own ability, I could make it work. One of the most significant things that happened was his disloyalty to me several times over the years, which I had never shared with anyone. I was afraid that if anyone knew, the relationship would crumble, leaving me stripped of everything that I invested into. I chose to forgive him time and time again, thinking that I was showing him grace, when in reality, I was afraid of showing my weakness. We finally broke up after three years, and I couldn't understand why God put me through this feeling of betrayal, loss, and my trust being broken. One thing I did learn, though, was the depth of God's forgiveness for us, as I desperately tried to forgive my ex and realized that forgiveness is nowhere near simple or easy. God, who was absolutely perfect, forgave us and continues to forgive us time and time again, even though we continue sinning against him. On top of all this, I was struggling academically in the middle of deciding to change career paths, um, which meant declining all of my job offers that I had, 
which I thought would have provided me with a sense of security. I watched every worldly pursuit that I dedicated myself to stripped away from me. I never felt so weak and left with nothing. However, at this low point, I was reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, 19, where it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Whenever I reflect on this time and Christ's love for me, <clears throat> the more I realize that everything that happens has a purpose and that God is working in me and through me. Currently, I am blessed to be surrounded by a loving community of brothers and sisters at UCLA through WCF and Lighthouse, whom I can walk alongside in my faith and share my struggles and joys with. Although I still struggle with some of the same sins and temptations, I know that I have a relationship with God and that he has saved me, not by anything that I've done, but solely by his grace through Christ's work on the cross. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Jason, and this is my testimony. Uh, I was born into a non-Christian household where I spent most of my life not knowing who Jesus was. Uh, through elementary school and middle school, I had many Christian friends who would encourage me to explore and uh, Christ. And while I, didn't attend, while I did attend some of their discussion events, my heart was not softened to the gospel. I always thought that it was interesting, but it didn't really fall into the plan that I had for my life. Um, rather, I dedicated all my time and energy towards school and education. I placed my faith in achieving good grades, chasing school like an idol, because I thought that going to a good college would bring me wealth and therefore make me happy and fulfilled in life. Despite all that chasing, I never seemed satisfied, and yet I continued to follow, hoping that it would one day be enough. However, that started changing once I started to come to church with my girlfriend. Uh, I saw that in her life, God helped her be more fulfilled and more joyful despite going through similar experiences and failures. So out of curiosity, I came to church for the first time. And at, the fir at first, I had no idea what the foundational truths were about God and Christianity and wasn't sure even where to start. But luckily, my girlfriend helped me start learning the basics. I learned about God's love and his grace and how Jesus sacrificed himself to save man from sin and hell, even though we did not deserve it. And I slowly began to understand my own depravity and my need for him. Since I always placed a high importance in education, on education, I thought that somehow it would make my life complete and that if I just got into that school, got that good grade, that it would somehow make me feel better. However, as my senior year of high school went on, I faced many academic difficulties and I started to realize that my efforts alone were not enough. I found myself turning to prayer and recognized my dependence on God outside of myself. And when the season of receiving my college decisions letters came, I felt like it was the ultimate culmination of all the time and effort I put into it. However, after opening all my letters rather than acceptance, I thought I would have received, I had faced total rejection instead. This made me devastated and questioned what the point of putting all that time and effort into it as my whole identity I poured into school was now like completely worthless. It was then that I realized how prideful it was to assume that I would not be able to achieve, that I would be able to achieve anything through my efforts alone. This failure helped soften my heart and reveal to me how sinful I was and truly in need of a savior from my own sin and also a Lord over my life, whose plans for me were so much better than my own. 
Through this experience, I was reminded of Jesus, who loved me so much that he died for my sins of pride and self-reliance. The directory taught me that the path that God had for me was not the one that I could see at the moment, but one I could trust, for he is my good and loving creator, who knows me better than myself. After repenting for my sins and coming to Christ, I started to see his hand in my life more, especially through the obstacles which show me where I needed to continue to grow in faith and dependence on him. I've experienced so much love here from my community here in Lighthouse and Beacon, and I strive to grow in my love for Christ and his people and magnify him more through my actions. Uh, The Lord has since graciously changed my perspective on education, and now I view it not as an idol to seek, but rather a blessing that God has given me to steward him well. I hope that my life can continue to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Uh, Hello, everyone. My name is Jaren Silva, and this is my testimony. I would not say that there was a specific moment in time when I was saved, but I remember being around six years old and telling my parents, I want to be a Christian during family devotionals. At the time, I wouldn't say there was any real meaningful change. I just remember wanting to be nicer to the people around me because I'm a Christian, so I have to be nice was my thought process as a kindergartner. I found myself just kind of coasting along with my faith and lacking intentionality with the Lord. With my devotionals few and far between, my prayers short and not that substantial, and then just absorbing the big picture ideas from sermons on Sundays and Fridays. Looking back, one of the reasons I gave as to why I did not want to get baptized earlier was because I wanted to be sure I was a believer. So I was waiting for something to test my faith. But I think the real reason was because I knew if I made that public confession, it would have felt untruthful because I was not pursuing the Lord with all my heart. It was not until I actually began to look inward and truly evaluate my own heart, what I believed and what I was living for that I realized it wasn't God. I was like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. I never turned my back on the Lord and left him, but in a way it was worse. I simply followed his instructions, went through the motions and just kind of coasted along without ever truly considering why. It was really just empty gestures most of the time. I had lied to myself, making myself think that the mental exercise of acknowledging the truth could substitute for actual heart change. I never saw my sin as deep and as terrible as it was. And in my pride, I believed that I was doing fine in my faith. I would allow myself to get distracted with my responsibilities in school and just sort of say, I was pretty busy. I will try again next week. But that cycle would repeat itself. I struggled with the desire for my own comfort as well as lust. Instead of repenting of my sin when I would fall short, I just found myself feeling bad for a bit and then carrying on, sometimes saying a prayer that was really just empty words. I didn't want to be left behind by my peers and the other godly people at church, so I would just try and copy what I saw in them. I tried to fake it with what I had shared at church and my answers to Bible questions, all while truly serving my own selfishness. When I went off to college, I had the opportunity to talk about my faith with a few believers at Berean, the church I attend in Irvine. It was in these conversations that I really began to come to terms with reality, that I was not the Christian I said I was. Lord had been patient and gracious to me throughout the last year. He has humbled me and shown me the true condition of my heart. One of those people who has been a a real pillar in my faith and just life in general is Caleb. He has definitely seen me through the lower points in my life as I struggled with sin and temptation and dealt with the aftermath of a relationship that fell apart. But he was there to offer solid encouragement and keep me accountable while humbly yet firmly pointing me to Christ and just putting God first. 
Some of the most fruitful conversations I've had have been with people in my grades, specifically my brothers and sisters from Lighthouse. We've talked about what it's been like to grow up in this church for almost all our lives and what it means to be a Christian, to be saved, to truly repent of sins, the gravity of Christ's death on the cross, truths that I was familiar with but hadn't taken root in my heart. I am so grateful to the believers in my life who have continually poured into me in spite of my pride, sin, my lack of discipline, and my long list of shortcomings. Your encouragement, kindness, and even rebuke and correction have really pushed me to truly reflect Christhood before the Lord. This past year has really allowed me to find my faith. Even though it was humbling to examine myself and admit that I wasn't truly living for God, he has brought me to a place where my faith is genuine and really my own. A verse that has really stuck with me has been Romans 5, 3-5, which says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'm a sinner, and I still struggle with self-centeredness, lust, anger, and every sin known to man. I'm a sinner who will fall short, but who will not give up fighting, who will look to the Lord first, and then to the believers around me for strength, who will turn away from my sin and look to Christ first and foremost. It is through God's love, his mercy and grace and infinite sacrifice that I am saved. Thank you.